Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you for um, what your grace has done for us, and we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to come and share your, your word, and Father, I pray, Lord, as I speak today, Lord, that you would only let me even recall the things that are pleasing to you and things that uh, magnify and honor Jesus. And I just thank you for this time, and I pray that you just bless this day. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. See there, John, that wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs> I thought I just had to get that one in. He's, he made way more of a big deal about that than, we, than I didn't even remember he didn't do that last year or whatever. Um, but it is good to be here this morning. I, um, if, you've, if you're relatively new and hadn't been here in the, but just within a year or so, my name is Tony Snyder. Um, I'm married to Robin of 39 years. No, she's not 39 years old. We've been married 39 years. <laughs> I got two kids, Blake and Rachel. Uh, Blake is married to Jessica, and I got arguably the two best grandkids ever, <laughs> Hallie and Jake. So that's who we are. Um, but it is good to see you this morning. I want I want you to give me a little feedback here because I, I, like, I like for people to talk back to me when I'm talking. But I'm going to start an old quote and if you know it, I want you to finish it, okay? I'm going to start a quote, and I want you to finish it. Here it goes. If you can't say something good, don't say anything. I mean, this is, this is probably one of the most southern things we've ever grown up with. If you're, if you're from the south, you grew up with that, and your parents probably preached that to you and hammered that into you. And, you know, even Mama Ivy, when she was uh, politic, you know, Back a few months ago, she even used that because it's so southern of a thing. But really, that's not a southern quote at all. That's really a paraphrase of a Bible verse. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, verses 29 and 30. Uh, and if you can, stand with me as we read uh, that scripture there. And it's only a couple of verses. And we'll look at Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. And the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, as we look at these verses, we kind of have to back up and look at what Paul's been saying in our other, very loud, seem like me. Our other um, elders have done a great job talking about all those verses prior to this, but you know, I was looking at it, and when you back up to about verse 22, you start seeing that Paul is trying to give, give us a, a list of do's and don'ts of what we need to do as, um, to live the type of Christian life we should. When you get to verse 25, he says, don't lie. Verse 26, he says, don't hold grudges. Verse 27 says, don't give place to the devil. Verse 28, don't steal, but go to work. And when we get to verse 29 and 30, there's an and at the beginning of verse 30, which means that that is one commandment. And he basically says, no corrupt communication should come out of your mouth or else you will grieve the Holy Spirit. No corrupt communication or else you will grieve the Holy Spirit. See, the, the word and is an additive. I'm going to give you my English teacher a little bit, okay? If two, a compound sentence is joined by a conjunction in the middle. And they're usually closely related, okay? But you could say something like, I like chicken, but I hate fish. Now, those two sentences are related even though they're opposites because of the but in the middle. They're related because they're listing two things that's preferences of yours. 
okay? But if you said, I like chicken and I like fish, those are even more closely related because they are the, they're both things you do like. They're not opposites. They're added to get. And is an additive. So here, and is added to let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth because of you will grieve the Holy Spirit when you do that. Now, so I want us to look at a couple things today. I, I, I kind of put down as a theme of this, bridle your tongue or bereave the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. Real simple theme, bridle your tongue or bereave the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. Now, I want to look at three things today when we do this. First, I want to look at what it means, what it means, what is corrupt communication? What is corrupt communication? Number two, I want to look at what is grieving the Holy Spirit. And number three, I want to see what are we to do about it? What's corrupt communication? What is grieving the Holy Spirit? And what are we to do about it? So the first thing, we're going to dive right into it. What is corrupt communication? I may have to borrow my glasses. I, got, I wrote it on paper where I can see it, but I still can't see it. So, <laughs> What is corrupt communication? I hate to look at, looking over these glasses, too. you. Coach Tucker used to teach, and he'd have his way down here on his nose, you know, just hanging off of his nose. That's the way I feel. I'd rather not have them, but I may have to call on them from time to time. What is corrupt communication? Well, first off, if you've got an outline, if you don't have an outline, you raise your hand. i got some guys that would bring you one if you want one. Anybody not have an outline that don't? That, anybody want an outline that don't have one? Uh, here's one right over here. So, anyway, uh, what is corrupt communication? It is, first off, defined as decay. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. In, um, I read several commentaries on what it means. When we think of corrupt communication, the first thing that you and I probably think of is saying ugly words and stuff like that, right? And that's part of it. The, the, the commentary said it was unwholesome words. It said boastings, rumors, hurtful words, lies, blasphemous speech. All those were included in the commentaries I read on what corrupt communication is. But the word actually corrupt there actually means, in the Greek, it's the word sapros in the Greek. It actually means rottenness. Now think about that for a minute. Rottenness. Rotten communication. Something that's decaying flesh. It is defined as decay. Here's what I'm talking about. Psalms 49.9, the same word translates over in the New Testament, Old Testament, says this, that he should, talking about Christ, that he should live forever and not see corruption. So it's basically talking about the immortality of Christ. Acts 2.27 says, Because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. There again, the immortality of Christ. Acts 2.31, Neither did his flesh see corruption. So this same word means rottenness. Speech that is rotten. Speech that it decays and tears down. The second thing, it's not only defined as decay, but it's also described as destruction. What did Jesus say in Matthew 15? It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out, because that comes from the heart. Have you ever said something you wish you could take back? I do this all the time. I'm captain of this, Okay saying things I wish I could take back. I don't, I don't usually say things I don't mean. Like teenagers usually get mad at their parents and say, I hate you. I don't, when Robin and I are fussing or fighting or whatever, I don't ever tell her I hate her. I've lived with her for nearly 40 years. I'd be an idiot if I lived with her 40 years and hated her, wouldn't I? I don't say things I don't mean very much, 
But I sometimes say mean things. I say things that's destructive. Because I want to win that argument, you know. Probably you do, the, you do the same thing, probably. Why do we do that? So it's not only defined as decay, but it's also described as destruction. We say things that, maybe not things we don't mean, but things that we mean to tear down people with, to hurt them with. Um, tearing down is really easy. Building up is really hard. I coached for 30 years. And I coached baseball and football. And, but, but baseball is one of the things that you can... You can just really see this. It's easy. It's, it's almost impossible to coach someone who doesn't have any confidence. You can't tell them enough lies to make them feel like they're good enough to perform. And if a, a person is not, if he's not performing, you can tell him how good he is all day, but he will never, he's got to gain some of that on his own. So putting confidence in someone is almost impossible. Taking a cocky kid and tearing him down a little bit is not hard at all. You can't, I've been watching this, this uh, uh, ESPN special on Derek Jeter. Probably arguably the best shortstop to ever play the game. Played at the most pressure-filled place there was in, in New York with the Yankees all his career. And it was, ta it was showing things of how Derek Jeter went to, uh, when he first got up in the big leagues, he said, I literally, was a, I literally was standing out there at shortstop thinking, I hope they don't hit it to me. Now, can you imagine Derek Jeter saying that? I hope they don't hit it to me. I can remember when I said that when I was about high school age. I hope they don't hit it to me. But I can't remember. I can't even imagine Derek Jeter saying that. See, confidence is very, very, very important. And it's easy to take it away from someone, but it's hard to give it to someone. Destructive words are easy. Easy. Let me, if, you don't do, if you don't listen to anything I say today, I want you to hear this. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Right, that's a verse to write down. Okay, Proverbs 18.21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, I taught for 30, 31 years, nearly 32, and... I saw this toward the end of my career more than ever. And I've, my son's a teacher and a coach now, and I send him this verse every now and then just to remind him, death and life are in the power of your words, you know. I saw this come to, and later in my career, I had a mother to come to me. Her lips were quivering, talking about how I had said something that just destroyed her child. And I come to find out I taught three of her children. <laughs> Didn't even know it. One of them, she said I said something that hurt her. So she kind of already had some... Uh, something against me I guess because of something I supposedly said about her son and she was just of course I, I assured her that I never said anything that I didn't she told me what it was and I can't even remember but I didn't try to I didn't try to do anything to destroy someone but this obviously really made an impression on her daughter and it just really tore her up and so I just felt so terrible about this on the other hand I've had a, I had a little girl that was in the ninth grade I taught ninth grade in my last few years and she was very quiet, very good student, sat right, you know, not far from my desk and never opened her mouth. I can't even remember her name, to be honest with you. But I can remember this vividly happening. She, I was trying to teach essay writing, and I did a model essay and did all kinds of stuff. And kids in the ninth grade just don't get it. They're just not really, 
developmentally ready for essays, hardly. They just, they're just not. Anyway, so I read all the essays, and all of them, I'll be honest with you, they were terrible except for hers. Hers was great. Hers was exactly what I was looking for. And so I went to her one day. I said, hey, can I, can I use your essay as a model? Can I read it to the class or you read it to the class? And she, she was real quiet. She just real shy. And she goes, you can read it. She didn't want to read it because she didn't want to stand in front of anybody or anything. So I, I read her essay and I bragged on it and I talked about how, how great it was and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't think any more about that. She went on and finished my, my class in ninth grade. When she got ready to graduate three years later, this, was, this may have been on awards day. I think she got the Senior English Award. This was on awards day. She comes back, she comes into my room right before, uh, right before my prep period, my off period, and hands me a note. And I said, what's this? She says, just a note I wrote you. Thank you. And she went out. I cried when I read that note. I still got it. I don't know what I did with it, but I still got it at home somewhere. I cried like a baby when I read that note. Because that note said that what I said to her in the ninth grade gave her all kinds of confidence, made her come out of her shell, made the total difference in her life. Now she's going to go in. I forgot what she said she was going into in college and all that. And she said it was all because of what I said. I had no idea. See, life and death are in the power of your words. We need to realize that. Because what you say, somebody's taking it a great way or a wrong way. One of the two. We, need to, we need to pay attention to what we say on, almost, on everything. So what is corrupt communication? It's destructive communication. It's decaying communication. Now let's talk about just for a minute number two. What is grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, I looked up the word grief and grieving and all that kind of stuff. And it's defined as to cause great sorrow, usually from a loss or death or to mourn something or regret something. Now think about this. Our verse says that if we have corrupt communication, we're going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Great sorrow usually is lost from a death. That's where I got the word bereavement with my theme there. Bridle your tongue or bereave the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? Number one, the Holy Spirit is our confidence. We already talked about how, how important confidence is. Did you know it's very important for you to be confident as a Christian? You are totally ineffective as a Christian if, you, if you're still worried about whether I'm a child of God or not. What does that last part of our focal passage say? Whereby we are sealed until the day of redemption, right? Romans 8.16 says, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. <laughs> That's how you know you know. The Holy Spirit is your confidence. Second thing, the Holy Spirit is your comfort. Jesus said in John 14.16, I will pray the Father. Jesus was about to leave and he knew it. He was about to be crucified. He said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Same chapter, verse 26. He said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is your comfort. Not only is he your confidence, but he's your comfort. So, when you say hurtful things, that Holy Spirit living inside of you makes you uncomfortable because you've, you've really made him uncomfortable. 
takes away a part of your joy. When you have an argument, you feel guilty, don't you? It's kind of hard to study your Bible, study your Sunday school lesson, or whatever you're doing, if you and your spouse have had a fight. I know it is for me. It may not be for you, but it is for me. See, it's the Holy Spirit. He is who gives us our comfort. Third thing, the Holy Spirit is our conviction. It's he who keeps us on the right path. He fosters faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if we don't please God, we don't have any joy, do we? It is he who brings people to God. The man living inside of you is, is literally who brings people to God. So when we go back to Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, that literally could mean heaven and hell. What you say could literally be the thing that the catalyst to spark someone to come to Christ or to turn away. See, what we say is very, very, very important. You say, well, Tony, why are you telling us all this? You are the worst one in the world to say something when you shouldn't. Yes, I am. See, God has got all over me when I was preparing this message. You may not get anything out of it. I got a lot out of it. I think Cody did it on purpose. I think he gave me these two verses on purpose. I told him it was either divine or it was devilish. I don't know which one, but uh, I got these two because of that. I've learned a lot from this already. So, what is grieving the Spirit? Things we do make him mourn. Things we say can make him mourn. Thirdly, what are we to do about it? We looked at what communication is, I mean, what corrupt communication is and what grieving the spirit is. What are we to do about it? Well, first thing, number one, we must bridle our tongue. We must bridle our tongue. James 1.19 says this, Let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, let's look at that verse just for a second. I've heard people say, you got two ears and one mouth. You all speak, you all listen twice as much as you talk, right? That's not me. I, I'm, the, I'm right the opposite. I, sh, I, I shouldn't, but I'm, if you don't believe me, ask Alan Parker. He and I rode down. He, we were a lot alike. We rode to Florida one time going to the youth camp, and I think we, so, we, we probably said 800 million words on the way down there together because we, we both love to talk. Uh, now, but we should be swift to hear and slow to speak. Now, why? Because he says, because when you pop off, that can make everybody get mad in a hurry, right? What about when somebody pops off at you? Don't your temper just flare just like that? When someone pops off? Are you bad to pop off <laughs> and say something? And notice this in the last part of that verse. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I've never done something righteous when I'm mad. Have you? I've never done anything righteous while I was mad. Not one. I can't think of anything. The wrath, the, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Oh, James 1.26 says, If a man seems to be religious but bridles not his tongue, he deceives his own heart and his religion is in vain. If you seem to be religious, but you can't bridle your tongue. One more, Psalms 32, 9. Be not as the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with a bit and a bridle. You say, Tony, what are you talking about all this bridle stuff? Let me tell you, back when, before I had kids, I had horses. 
My kids used to say, come, Daddy, come tell us, when you used, tell us about when you used to be a cowboy. <laughs> well, I've never been really a cowboy, okay? But we had, I, when we first got married, we had horses, okay? So I have ridden a few horses, and, and I learned the importance of a bridle. I'm going to tell you this quick little story. One time, I, when, we, when we got rid of our horses, I, I sold all my tack, my, my bridles and saddles and all that stuff, to my friend who I used to ride with. And uh, he called me one day after I'd been out of the horse business for a while. And he said, I got this new mare and said, I want to see how she does. You want to come ride with me today? I said, yeah, I'll go ride, you know. So I went up to his house and we got out there. And we were, he, he drug out a saddle and I was putting it on the, the mare. And, and he uh, gave me a bridle. He said, here, put, I can't find the other bridle. I said, put this one on, it'll be fine. So I saddled mine up and I got mine saddled up before he did. Now, he, you got to understand, he's got this barn that's sitting in the middle of this about a three-acre lot. And it's fenced in. And it's, he took a pine thicket and made a little pasture lot out of it because it's just stumps everywhere. I think he left one tree in this whole thing. So he's saddling his horse. I saddle this one up, and I get on her, and I start riding her. She takes off running. You ever been on a runaway horse? And I had a friend say, if you ever get on a runaway horse, just pull one rein around and turn their head around sideways, and they can't, they can't run. That's a lie. That old <laughs> horse just wide open just like this. Up and down that hill with all those stumps, I thought... She's going to fall and kill us all right here on these stumps, you know. Well, up and down that hill we went, and we get right to the fence, and she would stop and turn, try and throw me over the handlebars, you know. So I'm hanging on, and I'm rodeoing, and he's over there saddling his horse, and I'm riding up and down the barn past him, you know. And there's this one tree. It's about five feet from the fence, one tree. And I'm, I thought she's going to go between the tree and the fence and I'm thinking either it's gonna this leg's gonna get torn off by the tree or this leg's gonna get torn off by the fence post you know but luckily she went by it went up to the outside and she don't think she thought she could fit through there so we run up and down this horse is in control I'm not in control finally she makes another rip down through by the tree and I saw my way out I grabbed the limb and the horse ran out from under me so anyway I walk up to him and I look at him and he goes I like that dismount. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> well, now, I told you that done a little story for this. Um, the bridle was the problem. That was an old horse. She was seven or eight years old. And we, that bridle I put on her had a snaffle bit. Now, if you know anything about horses, you put a snaffle bit on a young horse to keep his, because their mouth's not tough, and to, to keep from hurting their jaw, the snaffle bit will give a little bit when you pull back. Well, this old tough-mouthed old horse, she just grabbed it, and I couldn't slow her down. So we went and put a regular, we went and dug around in the tack room until we found a regular bridle and put a bridle on her, and then I could control her perfectly. See, the tongue is something small, but you, if you can, James here says, James 3, 2 says this, For we all stumble in many things. If any man stumble not in word, the same is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. See, you control a horse by controlling its head, and you control its head by controlling its mouth. If a horse can't get his head down and out away from its body, he can't buck. If he can't get his head up, he can't rear up. So if you got one that's rearing up, just tie his head down. Learn that really quick. I learned what the, the effectiveness of a bridle. It's a very small thing to control a 1,000-pound horse, a bridle. So the Bible says for us to bridle our tongue because this little thing controls our whole who we are we can't bridle our tongue our religion is in vain the bible says if we can bridle our tongue then we're able to bridle the whole body the bible says so bridle your tongue second thing 
build up the church. Now, if you look at our focal passage right here, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Did you know the word edify is only in the New Testament? It's only 11 times in the New Testament. And 10 of those 11 times is talking about building up other believers. Only 11 times in the New Testament. And 10 of those 11 are talking about building up of other believers. So we already talked about we can't be, tearing down is easy, building up is harder. Uh, Colossians 4, 6 says this, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, what does that mean? Salt not only adds flavor, but salt was a preservative. See, if corrupt communication is like rotting flesh, rotting meat, salt keeps meat from rotting. Did you know that? We don't have to salt cure anything anymore. We got refrigerators now, but back in those days, they did. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. That means let your speech not be something that rots people, that tears people down. Let it be something that preserves let it be something that's good. Let it be something that builds up. So, bridle your tongue or bereave the Holy Spirit of God. Now think about that. The Holy Spirit is he who convicts people and brings them to Christ. It's he who lives inside of every Christian in this room. People usually come to Christ because of someone else. Not because of one day they were in a hotel room and they opened this drawer and there was a Bible. They, come to, they usually come to Jesus because of someone else. Think about who led you to Jesus. Who, helped, who was instrumental in getting you to come to Christ? It was probably someone, not something. Uh, have you ever been around someone who has an infectious personality? Who you just like to be around? I know a person, I'll go ahead and call his name because he's such a great, Bobby Burns. Some of you know who I'm talking about. If you've ever been around Bobby, Bobby gets people to, that's only met him one time, to lead them on adventure tours like to Washington, D.C. or whatever because they just like being around him. He's, he's battling with cancer right now. I, pray that you, I hope that you help me pray for him. He's, he's in a battle right now with cancer. And I saw him last week. You'd never know it. You'd never know that he's in a battle for his own life. That's just the kind of person he is. He makes people feel better about themselves. On the other hand, you probably know somebody that just sucks the very life out of you every time you get around them, right? You know, Diamond, don't call any names. I'm not asking you to do that. But you probably know somebody that every time you're around them, they're always negative, they're always down, they're always, and you think, man, they just, I don't even want to be around them. See, we need to be more like Bobby. We need to be that person who adds life to people, not one who destroys, not destructive speech. The very Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is urging you to speak to a lost friend, is urging you to be a difference. How are you making him look today? I know we, got, we say if we can't say something good, don't say anything. But God didn't call us to walk around in silence. He calls us to speak the truth and make much of Jesus. What's God, how are you making Jesus look today? Let's pray together. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. -on -one. 
We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.